warn you, I'm crazy. Your husband can testify to that fact. I am insane. Never heard that. <laughs> I hear your name a lot. I don't um, hear you on the phone. I've got to call, got to call Robert. He's my SME. Well, now see, so you can come up here. You don't have to call me. You're here. <laughs> Let me fix this before we. Yeah. Welcome, and I appreciate you coming to the inaugural version of First Class of Revelation. I don't know how long this class will take. The last time I did it was two years. So I don't, I don't know. It's all depending on the Lord. I told somebody that I may not even get through the book of Revelation, study of it before Christ comes back. So, you know, that wouldn't hurt any of our feelings, I don't think. But I will go ahead. We'll start with prayer, but I'm going to go ahead and lay out kind of a, a, an outline or a teaser of how we're going to do the class from here on out. Tonight's just, it's going to be mainly preliminary. And then we'll really get into Revelation next week. We're going to do this every Thursday at 7 p.m. here. But uh, tonight we're, we're going to do some, some groundwork. Some, so I'll be your tour guide, okay, for the book of Revelation. I'll be the tour guide. And we're, because I'm the tour guide and because it's the book of Revelation, we're going to have to go everywhere. So we're going to have to go to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Daniel and Ezekiel and Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and... And somebody looked at me one day and I said, how are you going to do that? I said, trust me, when you study the book of Revelation, you study the Bible. So that's one of the reasons why it takes so long to get through. I love studying the book of Revelation. Most people don't. A lot of churches won't even allow classes because they're afraid or they don't understand. Well, the trouble is they don't understand or they're afraid because they don't study it. Well, they don't study it because they're afraid or they're they don't understand it. So it's a catch-22. We're going to study it. We're going to get into it. We're going to get deep, as deep as we need to get. If you have a question, come with the answer so you don't stump me, okay? There's only one thing I don't like, and I don't like having questions that I can't answer, work-wise or biblical-wise. So if you've got a question, go ahead and give me your answer at the same time. I won't mind but as I said, we've got, uh, we've got several things that we've got to do. Uh, last days. I believe everybody can believe and understand that we're in the last days. And the scriptures tells us real clear in Matthew that it will be an increase of false prophets and religious compromise within the church. Are we seeing that? Well, we've always seen that. But are we seeing it more in, in abundance than we used to? Yeah. In my 57 years, I've never seen it this crazy. There'll be an increase of crime and in disregard of God's law, and I'd like to also add man's law in that. We're seeing that. We're, we're seeing politicians wanting to defund, and I'm not going to get political, but we're seeing politicians wanting to defund the police. We're seeing churches because of the pandemic and the shutdowns and all. We're still not back up to the same numbers that we used to have. People are still afraid to go out. So we're seeing that. We, we know that in the end there'll be a great fallen away. I believe we're there. I honestly believe that we're there. There'll be an increase of wars, famines, and earthquakes, pestilence. We're seeing that too. In a, in a sped up environment. We don't, I don't know that we've ever seen it this way. Uh, my nine-year-old granddaughter was asking me, she said, Grandpa, what, tell me about the wars. So I said, well, American Revolution. And then we went to the Civil War. And then just a few years later, we had 
World War I. And then a few years later, we had World War II. And then right on top of that, we had Korea. And then on top of that, the Vietnam. And then we waited for a little bit, and we had the Persian Gulf, and the Persian Gulf Part Two and all of these others that we've been seeing, and Iran and Iraq, and all of these people are going at it like crazy right now. Iran is threatening to bomb Israel at any given moment. We know what's happening with Russia and the Ukraine. Egypt is having rioting. Iran's having rioting. They say Iran is, uh, to the point right now, their economy is crashing. And they're afraid that the regime is about to be shaken and fallen. And why do politicians and experts say that they're afraid Iran's regime will fall? We could get somebody worse. Turkey. They're having, they're having problems in Turkey. Syria is being bombed all the time by somebody. Sometimes they don't even know who's bombing them, but they're still being bombed. So yes, we're seeing an increase of war, famine, and earthquake. They had a, a staggering article the other night said 49 million people will be in, at uh, death's door with starvation because of the war between Russia and Ukraine. 49 million people. Because Ukraine is the breadbasket of that part of the world. They do a lot of exports of wheat, but because of the war, that wheat is not being exported and South Africa is hurting. And the rest of the world is also hurting. So we're seeing that. A decrease in love and family affection. I could park it right there and talk all night. More severe punishment of God's people. Okay, we're not seeing it so much in the United States yet. Notice it yet. But I believe that we will in the near and dear future. Now there are some good news also. Those that stand firm, those that endure to the end will be saved. The gospel will be preached to the whole world in the end. As you leave the church, look at the map on the right-hand side. And as you walk out the door, there's a map there. It's got a pen everywhere that this church's uh, website, podcast, whatever you want to call it, live streaming is shown. It's all over the world. Right here in Denver, North Carolina. The Spirit will be poured forth upon God's people. We see that in the book of Acts. But, as I've often said... Having God's Spirit poured on us is one thing. Having it poured in us is another. We've got to be willing vessels. And that's one of the reasons why we, I felt led of the Lord. I, don't, I really truly believe that God led me to do this class because of the end times. It's a roadmap. And the roadmap is for us to follow. I mean, we pull up GPS. And we follow the voice that tells us to turn here, turn there, and turn. Even if we know that the voice is stupid and we know that they're wrong, we're going to follow the voice. We need to follow the voice. Not mine, but God's. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity again to come and to learn and read and hear your word, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you'll move, that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message. Lord, anoint our ears that we can hear and our hearts to receive, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. The book of Revelation is one of the only books. Well, let me rephrase that. The book of Revelation is the only book of the 66 that promises you will be blessed if you read it. It's in, it's in Revelation 1. We'll cover it, I think, tonight. Blessed is he that readeth. 
and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which were written therein, for the time is at hand. I believe that the time is at hand and we need to read this book and we need to hear the book and we need to do the book. Revelation, there are seven blessings or seven beatitudes in the book of Revelation. That's only one of them. Revelation 1 and 3 is the first one. Revelation 14 and 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, the saith the Spirit, and they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Now, jokingly, I told my mother-in-law and my wife and my granddaughter yesterday leaving church, maybe the rapture will take place and I won't have to do this class. <laughs> well, the rapture didn't take place for us. But somewhere today, someone passed away. Whether they was ready to go, I don't know. But if they were ready, blessed are the dead which are dead in the Lord. Revelation 16 and 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Blessed is he that watcheth. We've got to know the times. We've got to know the seasons. Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, you can know, the, and I'm going to use my own words because we get into it in the, in the study, but you know the signs of the dime. You know that when the sky's red in the morning, that there's going to be some bad weather. You know when the sky's red at night, there's going to be some good weather. You know that, but yet you don't know the times. We can read trails. We can track animals. We can read signs and wonders, and yet we have no clue sometimes about where we're at in the world and where we're at in the, in the huge time frame of the world. Blessed is he that watcheth. Revelation 19 and 9 says, And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called upon the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Blessed are which they are called upon the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's one marriage I want to go to. The only other one that I ever wanted to go to was the one I married my wife. I do not like weddings. I don't. I never have. Somebody asked me to marry him one time. I said, I won't. Yeah, I'm, I am a licensed minister. I will not marry anyone because I am the personality that if they break up, they separate, they get a divorce, I'm going to feel partly responsible. And I don't want that on my shoulders. But now I'll bury you all day long. I've yet to have a, a dead person complain about the service. And I've yet to see one, you know, divorce the ground. I hope to get to see that in the real near future when we're called up in the rapture. But blessed are they which are called upon the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 20 and 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Let me read that again. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. First resurrection? You mean there's going to be more than one? Yes. And we'll study that. These are all little teasers, okay, to get you to either watch on Facebook or come back and be in person. Such, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests God, of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. A thousand years is a long time. But in heaven, it's just a day. Because he says a day is but a thousand years and a thousand years is but a day. So in heaven, a thousand years is but one day. Because time doesn't matter. We won't care. 
No one will have a Timex on in heaven. No one will be wearing a Rolex. There will be no deadlines, no commitments. There will be no 24-hour notices to the state, no 15 or immediate notices to NRC, National Response Center. Revelation 22 and 7 says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Blessed are those that keep the sayings. Well, if you never read it, you never study it, how are you going to know what the sayings are? And the final blessing of Revelation, Revelation 22 and verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I'm looking forward to that day. So there are seven blessings in the book of Revelation, and if we do not read the book of Revelation, if we do not study the book of Revelation, we're never going to have these blessings. Now, I don't have the answers. So if you come here, if you're watching, and you're expecting to, to have Revelation fully explained, I'm sorry, you're at the wrong location. And you can leave now, it won't hurt my feelings. Because we're not supposed to understand 100% of the book of Revelation. We're not. We are supposed to use it as a road sign. We're supposed to listen to it, know where we're supposed to turn. But we'll only know that term when we get to it. That voice doesn't tell you in 2,469 miles, you will turn left. No, it tells you in two miles, turn left. Right before you get to the road, it will tell you, turn left. Sometimes our voice is a little low, slow, and it, turn left. I just, I just missed the road, you nut. I love, I love arguing with a voice. My wife will just laugh at me because I'll look over and go, nag, 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 because it'll tell you, rerouting, you missed your road. Rerouting, you missed your, nag, nag, nag. Why didn't you tell me sooner? Well, God's trying to tell us sooner. He's trying to give us the signs and he's trying to give us the roadmap if we just learn to follow it. Now, some of it is self-revealing and we'll find that out and in, in really in the first few verses of chapter one and the first few verses of chapter two, it is quite self-revealing, but some of it isn't. If anybody can explain to me what the locust with a horse head is, I'll be happy to understand. But I don't know that we're supposed to understand that. But we will know it when we see it. Can you tell me the name of the Antichrist? We know him as the Antichrist, but do we know the name of him? No, we don't. We know the characteristics. We know what he will look like. And yes, he will be a male. Honestly, the Bible tells us it's going to be a male. And we'll talk about that when we get there. We're going to dive deep into the seven churches. We'll look at them very closely to see what they have to tell us because each one of them tells us something and the very last one is us. Oh wait, this was written 2,000 years ago. It's still us. We're still in that church age and we are lukewarm. And we're getting more and more lukewarm every day we live. I had a guy, when I was a teenager, looked at my dad, and my dad said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. And he said, I've been hearing that all of my life. And my dad looked at him, he, said, he was a World War II veteran. He went, yes, but you've never heard it like you've heard it now. So understand that we are getting closer and closer. And as I said, through the book of Revelation, we are going to be all over the Bible. So we're going to start the book of Revelation in Matthew. What? 
Yes, you came to listen to the book of Revelation, but we've got to start in Matthew. Matthew 24 and 4 says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Matthew 24 and 4 is right where we're at now in my personal opinion. And, and it came, uh, the Lord revealed this to me really at the beginning of this pandemic, March of 2020. The world went crazy. But we're living in the most exciting times of history right now. Yes, it is crazy. Yes, it is chaotic. Yes, it is insane. But we are living in the most exciting times in the history of the world. We just went through a pandemic that the whole world stopped. And everybody went to their homes and locked their doors and stayed in for two years. In my lifetime, I never would have believed I would have seen something like that. Oh, you've got to wear a mask. Oh, you've got to do this. Oh, you got to do that. Oh, you can't do this. You can't gather. You can't go to church. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. In the United States, there's already a law on the books that outlaws church. And I'm not making any of this up. It came about because of uh, September the 11th. The law reads that in the times of national emergency, public assembly will be unlawful. What is church but a public assembly? They've already outlawed church. It's just in national emergencies. The pandemic was a national emergency. Oh, it could kill you. Hmm? Yeah. Drinking too many Mountain Dews is going to take me out. Something's going to get us. Okay? And I'm not, I'm not, trust me, I'm not saying that the pandemic and coronavirus was, was, false and it was a hoax because my wife nearly died from it. I nearly lost my wife because of this. I sat out in the parking lot at a hospital and bawled my eyes out like a little baby on December the 4th that night because I had to rush her to the hospital. Well, I put her in an ambulance and they rushed her to the hospital and I beat the ambulance. I'm glad there was no police out there. But I sat out there. They wouldn't let me go in. It's the first time in the history of the 36 years that she and I have been together that I was not beside of her in the hospital. I was with her with her two babies and her hysterectomy and her gallbladder and all of the other things. She's almost hollow. I was with her through all of that, standing, sitting, and laying beside of her. But yet, in the time of crisis, I couldn't be there because, oh my gosh, I might catch coronavirus. If I hadn't called it by then, I don't know that I would have because she'd been at the house for about a week. Her blood pressure, or excuse me, her oxygen level got down to 44% and was falling. And this tough old bird over here, and I love her to, to all the ends of the earth, she was still trying to tell me what to do and how to do it. I'm not going to the... You're going to the doctor, hush! Called the ambulance, they come and picked her up and rushed her. The doctor called me and said, Mr. Sapp, we're concerned. And I said, well, because you're concerned, I'm concerned. So yes, I know the coronavirus is real and I know it was not a hoax. But they've outlawed church. 
December the 7th, 1941, bombing of Pearl Harbor. When that news hit, churches was full all across the land. That church, all of the churches, they was praying. They was seeking the Lord. We can go back in the history of the world and of the history of the United States and we can see that every national crisis we have filled up churches. Even September the 11th, 2001, churches was full. And that wasn't even a Sunday. The churches was full. Church doors was open. Prayers was happening. Cries was going up. We're just a few years really down the road from that. Where are the people? Where are the ones that was crying out that night saying, Oh Lord, protect us. Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, do this. Oh Lord, do that. God is not Santa Claus. So we're seeing a falling away. We're seeing this come to fruition. For many shall come in my name, talking about the false prophets. I am Christ and shall deceive many. There's a guy in Florida right now that believes that he is God. He is, he is Jesus and he is Satan in the same person. There is a guy in Florida that believes he is Satan and he is Jesus abiding in the same body. Now that can't happen, but he believes it. And he is telling the world. Jim Jones back in the 70s held up a Bible and said, the problem with you people are you're trying to follow this, the Bible, and not listening to me. Now that's about the only, I, I don't throw rocks at many people, but I'll throw a rock at Jim Jones in a heartbeat. He's the one I always go to and say, idiot. But we know what happened because we're all old enough to remember what happened. And the jungles of Guyana, he killed hundreds of people, babies included, because he wanted to be God. We see others. We see guys that's told uh, their flocks that, oh my gosh, there, there's a UFO in the tail of the comet. We gotta kill ourselves to go to it. Sorry, no, that ain't gonna happen. If I have to kill myself to get to I ain't going. But they did. They took the barbiturates and then put the bags over their heads and suffocated, laid down in the bed. Waco, Texas. We see it happening all around us. We see false prophets. And unfortunately, they're not just the major known false prophets. There's little churches all over the land that's got men and women standing in it right now that a false prophet that's not teaching and not telling about what God, what thus saith the Lord. What they're telling is what they say. This study was developed using very little commentaries. It is mainly about King James Version, the New English Translation, the complete Jewish Bible, and the North American Standard. New American Standard, whatever, NASB, whatever that is, North American Standard Bible. Those are the four Bibles that was used to develop this study. There is one commentary that's been used thus far, and that's the fact book, Bible Knowledge. That's it. It's taken a long time to develop. It's this What you see in front of me was, is several, 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 several hours. And I'm not even through the first chapter yet. Am I patting myself on the back? Please don't take it that way. No. I'm telling you that this is what God's telling me to tell you. 
That's what Robert truly believes that this is what God has told him to tell you. And you have my permission that if I tell you something wrong from here, you have my permission. And every church congregation has this authority to throw that teacher out on their ears if they, won't, if they would just do it. But you see, we have men and women standing at pulpits because the congregation wants to be just patted on the back and patted on the head and said, oh, you're such a good little boy. Well, we're not good. Jesus himself said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God the Father. We are not good. So if you're here to hear a, a fluffed up message and a feel good message, you can leave. Because that's not what this is. This is the revelation. This is the truth. It's unvarnished. It's raw. Sometimes it's going to rub you wrong. Sometimes you'll want to kick me. Sometimes you'll want to cheer. And sometimes you'll want to cry. And trust me, I'm up here doing the same thing. Matthew 24 and 4 tells us where we're at right now. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 tells us it's the start of the trip. It's the start of the journey. We turned on our GPS. We plotted in our address. And this is what the voice is telling us. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. That right there would take me the rest of the class, and it probably will. Revelation. It's only one revelation. It's not plural. It's not revelations. This is all one vision, but it's broke down into three sections. You can major sections. There's John's past, which is also our past. There's John's present, which is still our past. And then there's John's future, what he sees in the future, which is some of our past and some of our present and some of our future. And you have to understand, and this came to me in this study, and I'm going to try not to lose you on this because it's a little convoluted. But John wrote what he saw using the knowledge and the words that he had at the time. Imagine what you, would, what you would hear if someone from the 1700s came back or came forward and saw you talking on a mobile phone. Think about that for just a second. They couldn't use the word radio because in the 1700s radio wasn't invented. They didn't know about radio waves, so they couldn't say he was holding a radio up to his head. They couldn't say the word wireless because, well, they didn't have a clue what a wire was. So that wouldn't give you anything. All about it they could say was, they could use the color, most phones are black, so we'll say a black device or machine being held up to a person's ear. That's all that they could tell you. Now, jump to the 21st century and try to figure out what they're talking about. Is it a radio, is it a phone? Is it a game? Is it what? A machine? usually black, held up to your ear. We have no clue. So I, I tell you that to un, have you to understand that what John wrote was in John's words. And we cannot compress it into our image. We try. And we will do that up here 
during the study. But we will not fully understand what's going on. But as soon as it happens, wow, that's it. I remember reading this. That crazy, fat, old, bald man told me this in church. Wow, cool. This is it. But we might not know what this is until we get there. So be careful in trying to interpret Revelation using our images. Because it still may be in our future. In a hundred years from now, what's the world going to look like? What devices will they have? Biometrics? Teleportation? What will they have that we don't? And if we was to zip forward a hundred years or two hundred years, I don't know how long it's going to be until Christ comes back. Jesus doesn't know how long it's going to be until he comes back. Only God the Father knows. So we cannot look at this and use our images and go, oh, wow, that's what he was talking about. Oh, it's an airplane. I know it's an airplane. Oh, wow, it's an airplane. But it may not be an airplane. There is one, one thing that I always go to, and that's wormwood. We read about wormwood, the star fallen from heaven, named a wormwood. It falls into the waters and makes a third of the waters bitter. I'm a, I have a nuclear background. And the first thing I think of, he says, it, it, behold, it falls like a torch. That's an ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile, in my eyes. And it's got a nuclear tip on it. It would make the waters bitter. But what if it isn't? I've just took what John said and I've, I've looked around the world and I went, oh, this is it. This has got to be it. No, it may not be. It may not be an ICBM. It may be a star falling from heaven. Named Wormwood falls into the water, makes a third of it bitter. Why do I say that nuclear makes the waters bitter? If you've ever been around a nuclear explosion, thank God I haven't. But the iodine and the cobalt and the cesium that is kicked up will give you a metallic taste. Metallic taste is a bitter taste. So yes, I can see where a nuclear weapon could be construed, and I have construed it that way multiple times, but it may not be an ICBM. It may be a star. It may be something we don't have a clue about, and we're not supposed to know. We do know some of it. But the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. So this is the revelation of Jesus, but his father, God, gave it to him. So now Jesus is turned around, and he's going to give it. He's going to show it unto his servants to show his servant things to come. So God the Father gives it to Jesus the Son. Jesus the Son turns around and gives it through John, and John is supposed to disseminate it throughout the world to tell us what's to come. You remember the old game, telephone? where you whispered something in one ear, and by the time it got all the way around the room, it might not be the same thing that you whispered in the first ear. I'm not saying God the Father is wrong, and I'm not saying Jesus is wrong. But how about if man got it wrong? And that's what I'm cautioning you. Do not read it in our verbiage. Do not try to fit it to our picture. Let's just read it and study it the way God intended it to be. And that is to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. This was a revelation by Jesus, not a revelation of man. 
Jesus gave the vision. John wrote it down. It's revelation, not revelations. It's one vision given by God to John while John was on the Isle of Patmos or the island of Patmos. At least four times the author names himself John. We know this is not John the Baptist because he was beheaded by Herod, Antipas, or Antipater. Side note here. We always say he's King Herod, but he never was king. He was a little governor, if you will, but he was never king. He was the ruler of the tetrarch of a small province. He, Herod Antipas, had a small role in the crucifixion of Christ. He was called king to demean him and basically put him in a lower standard, much the same way that we now call someone a big man when they're acting small and petty. We literally call King Herod, King Herod for an insult, if you really want to think about it. He, uh, he wanted to be king so bad he could taste it. Oh, and he'd done a lot of kingly things. So people would call him king just to rub it in his nose saying, oh, you're not king. So it wasn't John the Baptist. So we know it wasn't him. Most believe the author to be the disciple or the apostle John, referred to as John the Beloved. John 21 and verse 22, Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Let's see, we went from Revelation back to John. John 23 says, Then when this saying went abroad among the brethren, that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Talking to Peter. What's it to you if this disciple lives until I come? Guess what? He did, because he's seeing it. He's there in his spirit, and he's seeing it. It's just like he's there. So we see that Jesus was telling us that John the Revelator and John the Apostle and John the Beloved is the same person. We see in the study of Revelation's prophecy that Jesus has come true because even though this was a vision, John had lived long enough to see it come true. Another key reason, most believe that this is John the Beloved, notice the author identifies himself, his servant John. Even though there could be a lot of followers of Jesus named John by now, this is just one more reason to assume that this is the disciple. Now, why are we spending so much time on just his servant John? He was an actual witness to what Christ had done and went through. And we see this in a little bit. He's a true witness. He's a faithful witness. He was there. He's saying it just as he read it. Now he's saying, okay, I've, I've seen that. Now I'm seeing this. It gives credibility to what he's saying here. If it is John the Beloved, John the Revelator, John the Apostle, John the Disciple, Revelation or apocalypse means to unveil or reveal a secret. To borrow from 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, Romans 11 and 25, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. 
We see Paul talking. Now, what we, we use these two scriptures, or these two scriptures are used here so that we're not ignorant of the mystery of revelation. That's not what John, or not what Paul was talking about, but we can say that now that we've studied, because it says in just a few verses that we're going to be blessed if we read it, if we hear it, and we do it. So he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the mystery. He doesn't want us to lose the blessing. The blessing is very important. Even though these two scriptures are talking about what happens to the faithful and the non-faithful, God does not want us to be taken in surprise and not to recognize the times and the signs of the coming end times. Even in the days of Joseph of Egypt, God gave a warning and a time to prepare for his coming. Seven years of drought and famine. Seven years. You know, seven's going to crop up a lot, so mark that one down if you hadn't noticed it yet. Seven years of drought and famine before Israel was overtaken, he, God, sent his prophets to warn of the coming catastrophe. We're in the book of Genesis from Revelation. Wow, imagine that. We're going to be all over the Bible, I promise you. And even to God's enemies, the Ninevites, God sent Jonah to warn them. So God is warning us from the past of our present and our future. It's up to us to do something about it. If you hear it and you don't do anything about it, it's on you. If I know it and I don't tell you, it's on me. I don't want it to be on me. So I'm going to try to tell you as much as I can possibly tell you that God will allow me to tell you because he will only allow me to say what he tells me to say. There will be some things that we will not understand, and I can promise you that. But there will be some things that will be made crystal clear to us if we'll listen. Who bear, verse 2 says, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw who bear record of the word of God. Who is the word of God but Jesus? So it's telling us he bear record of the word of God. He bears record of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus and of all things he, he saw. Another indication that it's John the beloved, John the disciple. He recorded what he saw and heard as he traveled with Jesus and wrote the gospel of John as well as what most believe is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John being written by him as well. Do we know this for a 100% fact? No, we don't. But we can look at the clues that has been given to us. Just as pretend you're in an investigation, you've, you've come upon this scene and you're trying to figure out what's happened. Well, you're on an investigation. We know that he's called the servant of John and that we know that he bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus and of all things that he saw. So who could that else, who else could that have been? We know it wasn't Judas. And by this time, there's a lot of the disciples already gone. Peter's already been crucified. So who could it be but John the disciple? Again, why am, I, why am I harping on that? Well, it's so that we have credibility to the book of Revelation. Because if you study any of the scriptures and you study the history of the scriptures, you'll find that the book of Revelation was not really want it to be that the people did not want the book of Revelation in the book of the Bible. They, they thought it was too wild, too far-fetched, too scary, too symbolic, 
to whatever. They didn't want to include the book of Revelation. But it is here because God wanted it to be here. It is here because God says there's something for us to glean from it. And that's why we're studying the book of Revelation. It's to glean from it. I'm going to learn a lot. Hopefully you will as well. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, this is the, I've already read this scripture. This is the first of the seven blessings. Oh, wait, seven, again. Wow, imagine that. The first of the seven blessings. But let's look at it just a little bit closer. I told you, we get to about verse three. That's about where we're going to get. Blessed is he that readeth. Now, in Jesus' day, in John's day, in the temple, they didn't have church as we have church. They didn't have the singing, and they didn't have this, and they didn't have that. But they had someone who was called to read the scriptures. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I'm just going to lay the foundation. We see that happening with Jesus. When he walked into the temple, he read the scriptures. It wasn't the priest that read the scriptures, it was Jesus. Or it was one of the deacons or one of the elders, one of the others. They were selected, chosen to read the scriptures. Blessed is he that readeth. Blessed is that one that stands and reads. But also, it does mean what it says. It's a twofold verse here. It does mean blessed is he that reads to himself. But don't fail to realize that it's talking also about the teacher or the preacher that stands and reads or the person that stands and reads. And they that hear the words of this prophecy, blessed are they that hear the words of this prophecy. So you're hearing the word of this prophecy, you're being blessed. Not because of me, but because of God. God said he'd never send his word out void. It'd never come back void, never come back empty. So you'll be blessed if you hear the words and keep those things which are written therein. What in Revelation do we need to keep? It tells us how to live. It tells us how to die. It tells us every aspect of our life. Wait, this is a prophetic book. This is a book of prophecy. This is a book of, of doom and gloom. But this is a book of excitement and wonder. It's a time of, of talking about the next coming of Christ, the second coming and the third coming and the millennial reign and the rapture of the church and the fall of Satan. It's exciting times. Is there going to be hard times? Sure, there'll be hard times. The first of seven blessings of the Beatitudes of Revelation as was the custom during the time of Revelation, someone or several people would read from the scriptures. In Jesus' time, this reading was from the Torah or the five books of Moses and also read from the prophets, which is what Jesus did in Luke 4 and verse 16, 17 and 18. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus went to church. Hmm. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what we're called to do is to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We can follow through with that, and we know that he sat down and he looked around and he said, this day that has come true in your hearing. Using my own words. Currently, the style or type of reading where someone either goes up to read or recite is symbolic of going up to the temple. However, this blessing of reading the words is not just for the one who stands and reads it aloud in the service. But these are written therein for the time is at hand. It's the blessings for anyone who reads or hears the words and keeps those things which are written. Yes, if we read, if we study, if we hear the words, and if we apply them to our lives, we will certainly be blessed. To my knowledge, Revelation is the only book of the 66 that gives you that promise. I have not yet found it in any of the other 65 books. But it is given to us that if we hear it, we read it, and we keep it, we're blessed. Today, we're reading it. Today, you're hearing it. From here on out, we've got to keep it to keep that blessing. Is hard times coming? Yes, hard times are coming. But he said, in this world, ye shall suffer trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He didn't just stop with, you're going you're gonna to have some hard times, guys. Get ready. And walk away. No, he gave them another little bit. He told them, he said, I've overcome the world. If you follow me, what he's telling them, if you follow me, you also will overcome the world. That's what the book of Revelation is teaching us. If we follow him, if we keep its precepts, we will overcome. And we will be made priests, kings, princes, queens, whatever. We'll become rulers with him. Now, am I putting myself up with Jesus? No. I'm just telling you what the scriptures tells me. I'm not puffing myself up. Because you see, I am a nobody. I'm just an old dumb country boy from the mountains of Tennessee. Somebody asked me one time, do you like being called a hillbilly? I love it. I feel it's a great honor to be called a hillbilly. But you see, I'm just an old dumb country boy. God told me that if I follow him, I will be joint heirs 
with Jesus. Nothing I done. Nothing I could do. I can't make it to heaven. My, my righteousness is but filthy rags. So I can't make it to heaven on my own. So it's nothing I've done. It's all about what God done in the form of Jesus on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. And when he said, it is finished, it is finished. There is no part two. There is no sequel. There is no remake of the movie. It's finished. Everything that needs to be done is done. We don't need to do any more except read, hear, and follow his words. And that's what we're here for. Hey, we got time for one more. John, I was telling my wife that we wouldn't get past verse 3, but we're going to get to verse 4 today. John, to the, we're going to take our time, okay? If you've got questions, ask them. Trust me. If, you don't, if I don't know the answer, Lynn's going to write the question down and I will research it. That's why she's sitting over there with a little pen in hand. She will answer. She will write the questions down. If you're watching, send me an email. Send me a text. Send me a comment. We'll answer the questions as we come up. And if I don't know it here, and I probably won't, I know the author of the book, and I will talk to him, and he will reveal it in his time. Might not be by next Thursday. I searched for an answer for years, and... To be honest with you, completely forgotten what the question was. When God revealed to me the answer. The question was, and he revealed to me my question. When I was a young boy, first saved, I asked, why is all of the things going on in Israel that's going on? I wanted to understand why Israel was giving away this part of the land and giving away this part of the land and giving away this part of the land and why they was doing things. Why are you? Why, why is that happening, God? And for years, I didn't get an answer. And I studied, and I read, and I read, and I studied, and I still didn't get an answer. And I was watching something on TV, and God spoke to me. As sure as I'm standing here, God spoke to me, not in an audible voice, but he spoke to me in my spirit. He said, all the players has to be in place for this to happen. To me, that was a revelation. That was eye-opening. That was an aha moment. All the players have to be in place. So they may be thinking they're doing it for, for uh, compromise. They may be doing it to, to save face. They may be doing it to try to, to get peace. God's allowing it to be done so all of the major players are right where God wants them to be. That's why what's happening in the Middle East is happening in the Middle East. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia... Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Seven churches, seven spirits, seven beatitudes. Are you seeing the pattern? There's a reason I keep bringing up that pattern because we're going to see a break of that pattern before long. Again, the author identifies himself as John. Most people believe this is John the disciple. He is writing to the seven churches in Asia, Asia Minor. We know it as Turkey. That's modern-day Turkey to us. We see this land as modern-day Turkey. These are not the only churches around. There wasn't just seven. There was others, but these were the main ones. These are the, the home churches. These are the churches that other churches split off of. 
you, they were influential. They, they were very, very well known. And if you didn't go to one of those churches, they, those churches still influenced your way of living. These churches were all in modern Turkey, but their inner, the reach was far. Each church received a letter addressed to them and revealing their inner workings. Now, each of the churches got all seven letters, they believe, and each of the church read their letter. They could have read the other six letters, but we know that they read their letters. So it wasn't just, okay, you get this, you get this, you get this, no, when you get through, give it back to me. No, I think it was all of them got all seven letters, and it went around. Actually, it went this way. So they, they saw everything. We don't know if the letters was all read by them or if they just read theirs. We don't know if the letters was read to the entire congregation or only the leaders read the, the letters. I believe that they probably read it to the entire congregation because it affected the entire congregation. That's just Robert's opinion. However, they were told of the letters, the congregation was. Hence the wording in verse 3, that they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So I believe all seven churches knew the status of the other churches. I believe that they were all the congregations. Notice I say I believe because I can't prove this, but this is Robert's Opinion, I believe that all seven churches knew the status of all the churches and that the congregations understood what the letter said. Was it read to them verbatim? I don't know. Can't Nobody can answer that question. None of us was there. Why? Why? To give them an indication, because, you know, we didn't have the, they didn't have the Bible back then. They had scrolls. They didn't have all 66 books because, hey, the New Testament's just happening. It's not complete yet at this time. So they didn't have all of the 66 books, so they couldn't flip backwards and forth. They knew the prophets. They had the five books of the Torah. They had Psalms. They had Proverbs. They had those books, and they had the prophets. They didn't have Colossians and all the rest of them. They didn't have the New Testament. But they needed to understand that they had slipped in their standing. They needed to understand where they had slipped. You know, God's not going to just tell you that you're wrong without giving you an idea of how to fix the wrong. And the idea of how to fix the wrong is give it to me and let me deal with it. That's what God will tell us. But the churches were told in explicit terms, where they were failing, where they were strong. God didn't just beat them up and say, oh, you know, you're messed up from the word go. He literally told them, okay, this is something that you're doing great. Oh, you're wonderful here. Eh, you're not so good here, except for a couple of them. And we'll, study, we'll start studying those in future weeks but we're going to pull a, a halt here because this is a great place to stop. Um, this is the way the class is going to go from rest of whenever. This is the way the class will go. Or let me rephrase that. This is the way the tour will go because this is not really a class. We're all in it together. I'm just your tour guide. I'm, hi, I'm tour guide Robbie.
if you look to your right. But that's what this is all about, and this is how it'll be. So if you, you know, if you're enjoying it, I appreciate it. If you're not, well, great, wonderful. Enjoy your life. I'm not going to beg you to come. I'm not going to beg you to watch. But if you're enjoying it, if you want to learn, we'll learn together. Any questions or comments before we close in prayer? I will always try to open in prayer, and I will always try to close in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord. And we ask that you'll touch each and every heart, each and every life, Lord. We ask that you'll move and stretch forth your hand here this day, Lord, on each and every one of us. Lord, as we endeavor to bring forth your message and as we endeavor to hear your message, Lord, we ask that you'll anoint our lips and, Lord, that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.